0: challenging times don't necessarily only bring difficulties uh, for you and your business, but there's opportunities in there as well.
1: Hello, I'm Ishita Cabra-Davis.
2: And I'm Holly Mackay. Welcome to our extra show where we talk about today's insights for tomorrow's challenges.
1: Whether you're an aspiring startup, a savvy small business, or leading an established enterprise, we're going to bring you expert thinking on the big trends impacting businesses everywhere. So let's get started.
2: This week, we're talking about how to gain and maintain funding for growth in challenging times. We look at the unexpected issues that businesses could face when pitching to investors, and we lay out three key steps that you can take when pitching.
1: We're joined this week by Piers Lawford, Scale Acceleration Manager at NetWest. Piers, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Shita. Hi, Holly.
1: So, Piers, there's lots
2: of different funding options for people running smaller businesses, you know, and times are pretty tough at the moment. So against the current backdrop, what are the best sort of routes um, for startup founders to explore when it comes to funding? You know, is it loans? Is it crowdfunding? What do you think of this?
0: It really will depend on your business what stage that you're at, what sector you operate in, and also what you're looking for from an investor. Um, So my main advice here would be to speak to other founders who have recently raised funding, um, speak to individual investors, speak to VCs, speak to banks, just really get a feel for for what's happening in the market so that you can understand your options um, and make an informed decision on what's right for you. Um, Make sure that you you do know what you need. Are you looking for just money? Um, kind of you can just go go and spend to, to grow your business? Or do you want uh, potentially an angel investor who might be offering uh, support beyond that money to come on board um, and kind of help with knowledge, contacts and, and experience? Um, equally, you know, mentioned crowdfunding there. Do you have a product or service that's suitable for crowdfunding, um, whether that's reward-based or equity? Um, and, and equally, uh, grants, I think, uh, really make sure that you're exploring that, that grant market to see if there's anything that's uh, available to you and, and, and um, is suitable for you. There are so many options out there and, and they don't just stop during challenging times. It might become more difficult for many, certainly. Um, but if you do your research, start putting feelers out early into the market, make sure that you're speaking and networking with as many people as possible. Um, then you'll have those options in front of you and you can choose which one um, or multiple of them might be right for, for you and your business.
1: So Piers, um, I noticed you haven't mentioned bootstrapping um, as yet. And, and, and that's something that, you know, I did for a very long time for my startup by rotation. And that's also how I've been able to hold on to most of the equity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, think. Well, firstly, you know, bootstrapping, growing the the business with little capital, um, typically relying on on your own money, um, I think is is a great way to to show your commitment to investors that might be coming into the business later on down the line. Um, the longer that you can uh, bootstrap the business. Um, typically the better obviously it's not necessarily going to be the right thing for for absolutely everybody it will depend on your circumstances and if you have got some of your own money to invest in in, in growing the business early on um but yeah it's it's fantastic and the thing we've talked about a lot of different ways of funding so far today but um it's not you know you have to go down one route actually the majority of businesses will go through you know whether they'll bootstrap it initially they'll raise from friends and family they will then maybe get some angel investors on board then it might be early stage funds it might be vcs and then maybe the debt capital comes in later from uh, from the banks etc so it's it's just whatever works for you and your business so i think it's just highlighting that there are so many options out there so do your research understand what works for you and um, so that you can be informed and, and make the right decisions to, to grow and scale your businesses
1: so, Piers, you know, you mentioned there are all these different types of funding options, but, you know, not all of them will be available to all kinds of startups. So, you know, venture capital is very suited to specific operational setups. Um, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who have their target set on getting fast paced financing because they want to grow rapidly?
0: Yeah, absolutely. you easy to say. Each investor, um, whether it's an individual angel investor, whether it's a, a VC or whether it's a bank, they'll have their own criteria to assess at what point is right for them to invest or for funding to a business. Um, and if the growth of your business is, is very much based on securing funding regularly to achieve that rapid growth, my top tip would be to map out a funding roadmap. Um, and really what that involves is it's very much identifying and planning at what milestones you need to raise. Um, you know, is that a certain number of customers, a certain level of revenue? Uh, what's the kind of investor or investment that you'll be looking for at that particular point? You know, we've touched on uh, bootstrapping, we've touched on friends and family, you know, got individual angel investors, there's early stage funds, there's VCs, there's debt funding. There's just so many options out there. So just to wrap that up into some takeaways, I think plan is the main one. Um, also engage with your target investors early. As we've touched on um, already with, with Holly, You know, give that, that kind of six to 12 months or so to allow yourself to raise this money and start networking and start getting people engaged and then show them the programme that your business is making, keep them excited um, and keep them um, sort of plugged into you so that you're at the top of their inbox when, um, when you are looking to raise those funds.
2: I think that planning is, is really key and can be turned into an advantage as well. I mean, it's really easy to see raising money as this enormous pain in the neck. It takes you away from your business. It's really time consuming. Why can't all these investors just see immediately how brilliant you are? Um, but if you take that time and you have those, those plans that you've said, Pierce, and you have those milestones and those proof points, right? So what is it I'm going to need to be able to show investors at that time? What three things? Will evidence what I'm saying. And I find that helps with the focus of your business because you're so stretched as a founder. I find it really easy just to go off after a million things. But if you have those three proof points at a moment in time that everything you do is kind of gaining those proof points or working towards it in a kind of weird, slightly bizarre way, I think actually funding then helps you run a better business at the time you're sort of going through that process too.
0: I was going to say, absolutely, you know, and in, in terms of um, those milestones, it doesn't have to be revenue. Um, so picking up on uh, kind of what Holly said there, you know, what are the three key things that are showing the success of your business and how are you performing against those three things? And those milestones will change as you go through the life cycle of of your business. Um, but you know, shout about those, tell people about those and be talking to investors about those. And that should give you that focus and priority in terms of what you're doing each month, what you're doing each week and equally what you and potentially your team are doing on a kind of day-to-day basis. It should really be driving towards meeting those milestones because if you've identified those as key um, sort of drivers of the growth of your business, then you've got to be working towards those at all times.
1: I guess maybe on a practical sort of tip that I kind of found when I was first sort of mapping out, I guess, our funding plans for bi-rotation, I actually looked at similar companies, you know, the peer group, uh, what's happened in the past, and perhaps that was 10 years ago, but sort of worked back, backwards from, you know, maybe them doing something like a Series D round uh, before hitting IPO and how that, you know, kind of worked out year by year and when they actually got funding and what kind of funding it was. So if you need some clues, you can always look at, you know, the peer group. I think that always helps. We've talked about that a few times.
0: So to, to kind of build on that, I think, uh, yeah, you know, using other businesses that are you know, in a similar space to you or a similar stage to you can give you a real idea of, um, you know, when to, to raise and kind of give you a nice bit of a map around what the um, what those milestones might look like. But Ultimately, everyone's journey is going to be different, um, so you're not going to match whatever comparison you, you choose exactly at any any point. Um, you know there'll be ups and downs in your your kind of journey as a founder. Always there there will be, but um, so use that as a guide, um, and then set your own targets would be, would be my suggestion.
1: Very true, but with more challenging times ahead. So you know things like inflation, energy prices, you know tax hikes. Everyone's talking about this, right? How can small businesses hunker down and maintain their operations with, you know, the limited funding that we all have?
0: Um, One of the main things that we often see in in businesses um, that we're working with is not really being close enough to their numbers, Um, so not really knowing what is coming into the business, uh, when it's coming in and and equally what's going out. So having a clear understanding of that cash flow will enable you to make informed decisions about what opportunities to take advantage of and also if there are any outgoings you can cut back on. So I suppose my first tip would definitely be getting close to to those numbers. Um, And then, you know, depending on the, location, the the stage of your business and the, the products or service that you offer. We've already touched upon grants that might be available. So in challenging times, some more of these grants can be um, bought out by some of the you know, local authorities and, and things like that. So you really keep an eye on, on those to see if there's any that um, you might be eligible for. And equally, you know, if you're potentially facing challenging times, it may be that your customers are too. Um, so this is a really important time and an opportunity for you to get closer to them, talk to them their pain point the same as it was do they need your solution and um, you know are there are opportunities to upsell for you do you potentially need to pivot slightly because of the challenging times um, but equally I would just kind of want to finish on on that piece by saying that challenging times don't necessarily only bring difficulties uh, for you and your business but there's opportunities in there as well so um, really try to approach them with uh, a growth mindset to position your business uh, in the best uh, place possible to take advantage of, of any challenges that you are facing.
2: And I agree with you so much, Pierce. in terms of the know your numbers. I mean, a number I have burnt onto Mm -hmm. my retinas is the kind of run rate. So I think of that as what does it cost to keep the lights turned on, right? So that's sort of mostly for me, it's sort of salaries and rent. And just having that number as my anchor is so fundamental because things do get tough. You know, the pandemic 2020 was an utter nightmare year for me. (laughs) I don't know, for multiple reasons, right? But knowing that run rate... And just having that front of mind and being able to pivot, as you say, and when I had to stop any discretionary spend and just knowing those and looking at them on a daily basis. You know, the last thing you need is sort of nasty surprises, the closer that the dreaded last Friday of the month <laughs> creeps. So knowing your numbers, I think, is so key.
1: Definitely agree. It's all about liquidity, especially when you're just starting out. Thank you so much for your time, Piers, and your insight on the subject.
0: No worries. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: So now, on to the three key steps to
2: fund growth. Okay, so Ashita, first up, step one, do your homework. Talk us through this.
1: Yeah, um, so as as Piers and you rightly discuss your experience with fundraising, it can take six months, it could take a year, even more than that sometimes, Uh, So really planning ahead is incredibly important um, because securing funding is one of the toughest things you'll do as a founder. Um, So really validate your business proposition and figure out where exactly it is that you want to get your capital from. So be that, you know, an angel network, friends and family, you want to go through, you know, VC funding or a bank loan. Really figure that out after doing your research and then be realistic of how much money you actually need. Uh, And you can base that off your business's projected revenue and therefore the valuation as well. And I guess the last thing, which might be quite obvious, but it really does require quite a bit of time, uh, you know, create a clear and concise pitch deck uh, and all the documents that you need. You know, whether that's your model, your uh, budget to show what you're going to do with the money, because all of this will ultimately help you in uh, making a perfect pitch. And step two, explore all options. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Holly, because you've been doing it for quite a while. You know, I'm still sort of new to this game because it is kind of a game.
2: Got all the scars. Um, I mean, when I started out, I I funded a lot of it myself. I think you said you'd sort of been through that process, so I learned to love baked beans. Personally, I've not gone down the friends and family route. That's just a personal decision for me, but it's a bit too close to home. I just... uh, I'd struggle with it. So, for me, the best route, Ishita, that I've really loved and valued is the angel investor route. So, that is finding someone. Um, And I think it's better to find someone who understands your business, right? So who has worked in your business, in your sector, because they'll really get it. And if they buy into your opportunity, they will help you and they will come in and just give you those insights that you desperately want and need. As a CEO of a small business, it's lonely. So those people who are, as we call them, more than money have been invaluable to me. And it's quicker too, right? If you go and see an angel investor, you tell them the story and they like it. Hopefully, they get out their checkbook. So it's a sort of quick path to capital. Final one, crowdfunding. It is an option. I think it's a good option for people who already have communities or have popular consumer brands or who have a bunch of advocates and fans already. Then I think it works really well. But I think people can underestimate it. And it's a pretty time-consuming journey and and, you know it's a bit like being whack-a-mole sometimes you know lots of people to bash you with a hammer (laughs) you just have to be tenacious and keep going I don't know what your experiences have been of of whether
1: you've gone down formal funding routes. So I had bootstrapped the business for more than a year and a half and then last year I did my pre-seed round which I wouldn't say friends and family but it was more my ex-colleagues so my professional network um, and family and then most recently, we did a seed round with VCs and family offices, and that was very interesting because now you know we've got all these growth targets, and you know there, there's a set amount of time that we have to use that money as well. But I think it really, really depends, um, you know, what what sort of uh, trajectory you're going after in terms of growth. Um, so that was important for us because we do want to achieve, you know, scale uh, at a very short in a very short amount of time. And I personally don't have that kind of money to fund that kind of growth anymore. Um, But I would say, I mean, looking back at it, I think crowdfunding would have been kind of interesting for us because we are a very community led, um, you know, tech platform. For us, it's about, you know, a two sided marketplace. So that's actually very much of interest to us. And I've seen a few startups actually, um, you know, amplify their existing funding round with crowdfunding. It's a great way to do free marketing. Yeah, it is.
2: I think that's what I was going to say. Sometimes it's actually strategically interesting because A, it's a marketing campaign and you get to tell your story. But B, and this is what I find interesting, we now have at Boring Money a 1,000 individual readers who are also shareholders and we can go to those people and sort of get their input on how we're developing. So it's a really lovely um, community for us. And so despite the pain of crowdfunding, I think definitely it was worth it.
1: And so for the final step, um, and Holly, again, I think you, you might have an interesting story for to share with us on this. Uh, make your pitch perfect.
2: Yeah, I've done lots of pitches that haven't been perfect. I can tell you that. I mean, the first thing I'd say is, you know, don't. Don't prepare an 80 page PowerPoint presentation because you'll set yourself up for failure. What is that one page intro, you know, because this is a sales pitch It's the sales pitch of your life. So you have to go in there. What are the kind of three or four killer points? You know, rehearse them, do them in front of the dog, tell your family, go and talk to trees, get that sort of first elevator sort of pitch Right. Because really, I think you either make that connection in the first 10 minutes of the business or, or you've lost it. Be resilient as well, I think, because you do get so many knockbacks. I've had so many knockbacks. Um, You know, you will get bashed, but you just have to, you know, this is a sort of volume game as well. So you have to pick yourself up, sort of get your energy out there and get back into the next pitch. Um, I think some key things that every good pitch deck needs to have, you know, what's the opportunity in the market? Why now? Okay, what's the size of the prize? Um, And why you? I think for investors, you know, if you don't have much of a track record and your team is still quite small, you are important in this. Competitors, people always want to see a slide on who are the competitors. So you know they want to know if people could go to someone else instead of you and know your financials. I mean, you'll have come across this um, a sheet of time and time again. You have to be able to when someone drills down into those numbers. I find the costs right because as entrepreneurs, we love talking about revenues a lot more. People come in and drill down on those costs, and you have to know them inside out. And there's nowhere to hide. Um, a final tip, I think, is. Business is all about people at the end of the day. It's not about graphs and charts and numbers, and it's do people buy into you? So you have to get that adrenaline pumping that pitch. And I think back, you know, one particular week, I was sort of going out doing endless sort of pitches. And I remember going into one pitch, honestly, and I had a face like a wet Wednesday. I was tired. I'd had so many knockbacks. And looking back, you know, I shouldn't have wasted the poor chap's time because I just, you know, if you're looking miserable, blimey, you've got no hope of persuading anyone to invest in you ever. I mean, I don't know, Ashita, have you done any clanger pitches in your time?
1: I have. I've done some of these sort of accelerated pitches as well and you know I actually did win quite a bit of money from um, from one of the social media companies which was quite useful in the early days so we used that money to you know test a bit of marketing but I would say one of the things as you talk about how you know business is actually all about relationship building and it's actually about human interaction and one of the things that I learned during my fundraising journey was it's, it's a bit like dating, you know, it's, it's a bit like marrying someone when you end up taking an investor on board. Uh, in fact, it's probably more regulated than marriage, because there's a bunch of TNCs <laughs> in there in the paperwork. And, and I kind of realized that sometimes you have to leave a bit of magic. Um, you cannot meet them too many times, you cannot give them all your cards at once, you know, you have to sort of build that sort of interest and, and, and um, that that bit of magic uh, about your story, and you leave them wanting uh, more. And that's when they come back to you for some questions, but never extend it for too long either. You know, seal the deal as soon as you can. Uh, That's some of the things that I realized. And that's the end of our episode. Thank you to Piers for taking the time to speak to us.
2: And thank you to you, our listeners. We're here to help equip you for your business journey. And we hope you found today's episode useful.
1: And if you're looking to find out more on this topic, discover resources and info in the NetWest website. Until next time.